0: This is a special birthday version of uh, my Twitter space, and uh, it's called Bridging the Gap. And weekly, I basically interview people in the space um, or people who um, are involved in some way in the creator economy, Uh, but today is my birthday. And so I am doing a special version of the show today, uh, and i have a very special guest um that i wanted to bring on uh for a, a special day for me you know as you get older the birthdays get less and less important but um i mm-hmm. wanted to bring on a special guest and so today i have brought on my mom and uh have an interesting you know bit of questions for her uh but i want to I'm going to skip over, starting with uh, Would You Rather, which I normally play at the beginning of each show. Um, I'll do one Would You Rather question. I'm just going to pick one. So the one Would You Rather question for today is, would you rather be chronically underdressed or chronically overdressed?
1: (laughs) Oh, oh my goodness. That's a hard question. Um, Overdressed, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I, I yeah. mean, it's funny because, like, um, I rarely get to see you, you know, well, these days, you know, you're in the yard and stuff sometimes, but, like, I, <laughs> I can remember parts of my life where you were working corporate America and, you know, wearing St. John's and, you know, nice bright suits and stuff, and so I was I, I was thinking you were going to pick Chronically Overdressed. Um, yeah. So yeah. I, I, I want to uh, ask you some questions, and, you know, since this is a special uh episode you know I will say without any competition at all um you're the most inspirational person in my life you're my hero um and I've every opportunity I get to like praise you and prop you up and I know you've come and visited me when I was preaching and speaking and stuff like that and I always call you out (laughs) and point you out in the crowd um but it's because I don't think I would have the life that I've lived uh without your kind of guidance and inspiration and uh you know I was thinking about it today um I I know this hurts you to say but I'm you know turning 42 and uh as as I'm sitting here thinking about it you know I was thinking about this morning just thinking about how blessed I am and how good of a life I have and how happy I am and I posted something on Twitter about it you know just telling other people like trying to be inspirational and just saying like you know you can do anything you know in this life and if you're breathing um that means you uh, have a life worth living and you know uh i want to ask you some questions about your life and how you got to where you are the whole goal of my show is to bridge the gap between where you came from to where you are today and hopefully people can pick up some nuggets uh through hearing how you got to where you are so the first thing i want to ask is like Sure. If you could maybe tell us a bit about who you are and what you do currently.
1: Yeah, I'd love to. I thought you were going to maybe ask me to tell everyone about you okay, and nope. where you started from, and tell those stories um, and how nope. you got to be where you are today. Um, but yeah, I think you know, born and raised in New York City as a as a kid during the civil rights movement. Um, just really always had a passion and compassion for social justice issues, um, for learning, for education, uh, thought that I wanted to be a, a doctor because back then the only two reputations or, or um, careers that you could have that were reputable were being a doctor or a lawyer. Um, everybody's right. parents wanted them to do that. And, um Just found out after going through school and through college that like that was just not the track for me and that I had to follow my passion. I had to figure out what is it that made me wake up every morning and say this is going to be a great day. You know, I I wanted to find that thing that said um, that when I wake up, I can't wait to get started because this is what I love to do every single day. And when I was young, I used to always tell my parents, I said, you know, I want to work with kids around the world. I want to work with people in poverty. I want to do social justice stuff. Um, And they looked at me like I was crazy because, you know, this was a long time ago. And they're like, you are you know, not going to happen. You need to become a doctor or a lawyer. Um, And really quickly found out that, you know, your parents always want what they think is best for you. But sometimes they don't stop to think, what is it that emotionally and socially is going to be best for you, right? Like that thing that that just drives you, that passion. And so I, you know, I I went through school, went to college, and then, you know, went into corporate America for over 20 years and, you know, climbed that crazy corporate ladder and um, got to the very close to the top of it and realized that this is not who I wanted to be. I was unhappy. I um, couldn't imagine being in the corporate world, making a lot of money, doing everything I wanted to do, um, or everything they wanted me to do. And I turned right. around and said, this is awful. Like, I don't like what I'm doing. I don't like the people I work with. I'm unhappy every single day. How do I change this, right? So um, I started pursuing my original childhood dreams of working in the nonprofit sector, um, traveling around the world, working in the international community and, um, and fighting for social justice issues that were really important to me. So it was, and I found out it's never too late to start doing what you're called to do, right? It's never yeah, too late. Right. Um, Cause I was in my forties, in my early forties when I was like, this is crazy. Like I am working for a paycheck. And the paycheck doesn't mean anything anymore because I just don't like how I'm spending eight to 10 hours of my day. And actually, you can attest, Anthony, it was more like 12 to 14 hours of my day, (laughs) you know, doing things that I'm, and again, working with people I didn't appreciate, didn't appreciate me and a space that um, I was, I felt like I was making money for other people. Um, instead of truly, uh, following my dreams, my goals, my passion. And so I stopped in my mid forties. I just stopped and said, time for a sabbatical, time to sit down, time to reevaluate. and I thought I was going to stop and come back into the corporate world and technology and all that great stuff. And I couldn't, I just said, I cannot go back to that. And I pursued a job where I am now at Children of the Nations, um, where I uh, just got a promotion. Uh, So I'm the vice president of engagement and sustainability. And, um, you know, and I get to travel all over Africa. I get to travel to Haiti. I get to travel to the Dominican Republic. Um, And I get to work with kids and young adults and families and um, help them with solutions that they need to survive in their environment. And, and I wake up every day saying, I love what I do. And, and the money doesn't matter. You know, you make, you still make good money, not great money. Like you make, working for Microsoft or working for Starbucks. Um, But it's, it's good money. But the best thing is I wake up every day and say, dang, I really love what I do. Like it just, it fires me up. So, yeah, I know so that's, the feeling. yeah, so that's it. I mean, went back to school, uh, got the degrees and, and what I needed to be able to do the work that I'm doing now. Um, right. yeah, so that's it. How
0: old were you when you finished your most recent degree or are, are you're still in school right Whew. now, right? I'm still in back? school.
1: I'm in school right now. Um, I finished my most recent degree two years ago. Um, we wow. won't say how old I was cause then I'd be saying not. how old I am and that's not going to happen. <laughs> and so, um, I, um, absolutely am right. I decided I wanted to go back and, and now get my PhD and I, um, I'm a lifelong learner and I, I just highly right. recommend that to people like learning never stops. Like when you stop learning, uh, for me, you stop breathing. Like you, you're always learning and, I'm just a lifelong learner. Teach me something new every day. Um, And I love studying and research and finding out things that I never knew and and putting it into practice. Um, Yeah, it's part of who I am. So I love that.
0: Not lying. I'm like sitting here taking notes. Um, (laughs) Some of the quotes that you're (laughs) saying. Like, it's never too late to do what you're called to do. I'm writing that down. So, um, you know, you are what I would call uh, a renaissance woman. You, off the top of my head, you have been in the navy. Um, mm-hmm. You worked in tech. You worked at, mm-hmm. You helped with. Um, what was the name of the company you worked for before you went to uh, Unisys? Uh,
1: um, I am. Oh gosh, I yeah. yeah, Information so, Management Resources. Yeah, yes. worked I, me, yeah. Worked for Starbucks. Me, like
0: as your kid, that's what felt like the start of you going like more into corporate professional. Work yeah. was IMRI and Unisys. Yep. Then you worked VP at Starbucks, did marketing there. Um, you've mm-hmm. been a business leader. You're now a missionary. You created mm-hmm. programs for kids in the inner city. You ran mm-hmm. a nonprofit mm-hmm. here in the mm-hmm. inner city in Washington, mm-hmm. um, and you've been back to school. You you're a speaker. Um, you've mm-hmm. preached. You've also you, I saw that mm-hmm. you you know you've done some business summits and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. You've gotten on panels. I know you've helped run conferences that you've actually even had me come speak at. Um, mm-hmm. You were my first youth pastor at church. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. like, <laughs> you've done so much. Like, what is it that drives you from opportunity to opportunity?
1: You know, just kind of a, a spirit of discernment that that says um, that you have to listen to where you're being called. Right. I, you know, there are some people in life and there's absolutely nothing wrong with this, that they start out at 18 or 19 in one area and that's where they stay all of their life and they do well. And I think that's fine, mm. too. I think for me, um, you're always looking at the skills and the talents that you have and where they can be best used in the world right? So yeah. you're always looking at where you can serve the world, right? Not where you can serve yourself. And and that's what's driven me from thing to thing to thing, right? Is that, and not not being kind of fickle, like, I don't know what I want to do. But as you look around the world around you, you'll see opportunities for you to create, for you to be involved, for you to um, instigate new things. and right. and you're, And you got to move into that, you know, like, the worst thing for me is to see something that needs where I can help, where I can, where I can grow and to not step into that. Right. And I have opportunities Mm. in my life that I wish I had taken that now I look back and say, shoot, I should have done that. And maybe now I will try to do some of that, like some writing things that I never, I never got to do that I, that I think I should have pursued, but the timing wasn't right. But you look around the world and you say, where is the world calling me? Where does the world need me? Um, Where where can I be a creator? That's, I think, the the most important thing, right? Not where I can follow other people and do what everybody else has done. And, you know, I just want to be like everybody else because I see this person and they're cool and I want to go do what they do. But where you're going to be successful and innovative is where you can become a creator and and create something new and create a path that wasn't there before create opportunities for people that wasn't there before so whenever i see that and i think i have the the gift or the skill for that i step into it and just say okay let's let's go god where are we going with this right you know like i don't have the answers i don't know what it's going to look like on the other end but i just step into it and and want to be used by the world. Right. So it's not for any of my benefit. It's not for my accolade, for my title, for my money, but it really is every day. Am I being used in the world in a creative way? Am I creating something um, new? Yeah. So that, that's what I think makes me move into those areas.
0: It's amazing how some of the things you say, just honestly, is like, I'm like, it's like I'm listening to my inner (laughs) thoughts. Yeah. (laughs) it's funny like you know things pass down and you know they say some things are caught and some things are taught and i think a lot of things that your life has there's a lot of things you've directly taught me and there's a lot of things that i've just caught by watching you live and being around for it um you know you mentioned being a creator and of course you know we're on the twitter space for my company that manages creators you know we have almost a 100 of them and They're at all different walks of life, different ages, different stages. Um, Mm -hmm. One of the biggest challenges I see in our space, um, not only on the creator side, but on those like staff side, people that are taking care of creators, people that are, you know, running Mm -hmm. the businesses, you know, um, because you're getting into a business that really didn't exist 10 years ago. And so um, is a lack of confidence. Like, and I can imagine Mm. that, being the daughter of a nurse, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and with the life that you live in New York, moving across the country to California Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, starting in more of administrative roles, you Mm -hmm. had to have a bit of confidence to sit at the table with people that had been doing these type of things their whole lives, whose parents had basically Mm -hmm. instilled in them, you're going to be an executive, you know, Mm -hmm. how did you, how did you muster up the confidence throughout, Mm -hmm. you know, all of the situations that, you know, you've had in your life and and the things that you've done, like, where did you get your confidence from? Yeah,
1: that's a great question. Um, That makes me think, you know, honestly, I will tell you that, um, I didn't have a lot of confidence when I was in my 20s. You know, I allowed people to lead me, guide me into some places that I probably shouldn't have gone. You know, I mm. ended up in situations and life situations that I shouldn't have ended up in um, because I didn't have confidence. And, and you run into those situations enough um, where you just have to say something's got to be different, right? And yeah. the one big change for me honestly, was going in the military. When I went in the Navy, Mm. um, you are forced to have confidence. You don't get to slack at all. And it, and, you know, it's probably, I didn't, I stayed in 12 years. I didn't um, retire, but I will tell you that going in the military uh, forced me to grow up overnight. Like, I mean, it, you have no choice, but to grow up overnight and in the military, I was made a leader. Um, one of my company commanders just said, "I see leadership in you and I'm, and you're a leader. And it was her confidence in me that allowed me to start um, stepping into leadership positions and not being afraid. So that was part of it for me, is that other people are you surround yourself with people that are going to encourage you in your leadership, right? Don't be around people who are going to, bring you down, get you into trouble, who, you know, that person that every time they call your heart sinks It's like, Oh, I got to deal with this person. You want to be around people that see you as a leader and encourage that in you. So that's, that's one thing. I think the second thing is that you, if you don't believe in yourself, and you've probably heard this before, like nobody else around you is going to believe in you. And I used to start asking myself, what's the worst thing that could happen if I don't if this speech doesn't go good? Or what's the worst thing that could happen if this project doesn't go good, right? I knew, and especially because of my faith, I was like, it doesn't matter. There's always tomorrow. So I'm going to step into this and I Hmm. know what skills and gifts I have. And so I'm going to release those gifts and use that. And then you start having people tell you, wow, that was really great. Oh, that really sounded good. Oh, you really made... And you start believing in yourself and then you just go for it, right? There's no formula to how you mm. build up that confidence, right? I mean, some of it is internal thinking of just telling yourself, I'm good at what I do. You know, like I know how to do yeah. this. I got this, right? Some of it is faith and saying, okay, God, I, I have no idea. So I'm trusting you to take me through it. But I just, there there's no one formula for confidence because everybody responds differently. But there was just a time in my life when people around me were confirming me. And that's what gave me a lot of confidence to say, Mm -hmm. I can do this. Right. And also don't be afraid of failure. You you cannot be afraid to fail. Because if you're afraid to fail, you will never have total confidence, right? Yeah. And I will walk into a situation even now in a meeting where I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm presenting to the board and blah, 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 and I got all this stuff going on. And immediately I have to self-talk myself and say, number one, you know what you're doing. You prepared for this. You're good to go. And the second thing is don't bring yourself down and, and be afraid of failure. Worst thing that could happen is you totally bomb this presentation. And guess what? (laughs) You're going to be okay at the end of the day, you know? So you have to kind of look at the high side and then you have to overcome the low side and know that Mm. it's going to be okay. You know? And and I think that's just in life in general, not just with your confidence, but anything you walk into, you have to know that at the end of the day, that thing is that you're still going to be okay. I'm still me. Worst thing that could happen is they fire me and I go find another job. You know what I'm saying? And if you yeah, walk yeah. into it that way, then you you exude a confidence that that other people see in you and a confidence that people then say, Wow, you know, like she's got this, right? Right. But it but if you walk in expecting failure, that's what that's the aura that you yes. give off. So yep. I just walk in expecting great things pray before I go do what I need to do and always say, what's the worst thing that can happen? They fire me. I give get another job. That's okay. And you have to have that mentality of I'm going to be okay at the end of the day. There's nothing in this world that, that can overcome me to the point of I'm just a failure. You know, that just, right. You just can't, you can't ever think that way.
0: So, you know, it's interesting that you say that, you know, in my time as a public speaker, and I know you've done public speaking yourself, like, um, especially when I was doing it weekly, you know, it was like, people would come up to me and be like, are you nervous? And I'm like, you know, sometimes, but my nerves were because I really wanted to help people, you know, um, but I always went up with an attitude of the worst that can happen is I bomb this, I do a bad job, and then I, you know, try again next week. Um, and hopefully not get fired, but you know, it's one of those things where that is kind of the worst. I mean, every week when I do this Twitter space, I'm, sometimes I interview people that I haven't talked to in a long time or ever. Mm-hmm. And it's like, this could be a tough one. I mean, yeah. I've had interviews in the past when I did YouTube that were, I interviewed a 15 year old kid one time and it was really tough cause he was so nervous that mm-hmm. it took all of my work to get him to, you know, to mm-hmm. speak a little, um, more I guess solid and with confidence and so um you know have you had any uh key mentors in your life and Mm -hmm. if you can mention a couple of them and kind of what they taught you
1: yeah my number one mentor in my life is my grandmother I know that sounds pretty traditional but um (laughs) my grandmother grandmother, um was a great lady and she um she loved me unconditionally. That's what that's what she taught me. You got to have somebody in your life that just loves you unconditionally, right? She didn't love me for, I mean, she didn't live long enough for to see all of that in me, but she didn't love me for being smart or this is your job or you've succeeded or you look a certain mm-hmm. way or act a certain way. That didn't matter. None of that mattered to her, but she just loved me unconditionally because I was who I was. And that I think everybody needs somebody in your life like that, right, that just um, that loves you in your worst moments as well as in your your glory moments. Right. So that that mentorship was important. I mean, I've also had uh, mentors in every aspect of my life. So I have a ministry. um, I have a couple of ministry, what I call fathers in the ministry. Uh, people that mm-hmm. I look up to that I go to for spiritual guidance. I have um, I have a work related uh, mentor and um, and she and I are just like, we're kind of at the same level. And so we don't really mentor, but she's my accountability partner. So she yeah. like, she's the person that when I know I'm slipping or I know something's not right, I will call her and say, Hey sis, you know what? I think I messed up or I need help here, or here's how I'm feeling. She's that person I can be authentic and genuine with. Um, and and she's mm. a lifesaver. And she does that for me too, you know, with me. She'll call me and say, "Not, I'm not doing good, need some help, you know. So having not really a mentor, but an accountability partner at this stage of my life um, is right. really, really important. You know, you need that person that when you just don't feel like feeling. you know, It's like, I'm just tired. I, I don't want to do this anymore. You need right. that person <laughs> that's going to encourage and inspire you. More than a mentor for me, sometimes we take that term literally, right? It's somebody who's kind of guiding you and, and bringing you along and what you do. Throughout my early ages of my career, yeah, I had people that, that would see something in me and, and bring me underneath their wing and say, I got you. I'm going a, I'm to a help you along. But you, you then get to a place where the mentoring shifts, like I said, into accountability partners, people who are walking it out right. with you. Yeah. But I do have mentors, uh, like I said, fathers in the ministry, people in ministry that I go to for for certain spiritual guidance. But other than that, awesome. it's it's having good, 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 good friends that yeah. um, that will listen to you at two o'clock in the morning if necessary. Um, that will drop everything they're doing to be with you when you're in a crisis. Like those are the people I value the most in my life. And I travel all over the world. And what allows me to travel all over the the world without being nervous is I'm tethered to people back home, you know, and home is not, it's my house. It is my place, but it's my people, you know, like my people. Right. And that's my family, but it's also beyond my family to my outer family, the outer circle. Um, like really that. important, really, really important to have that.
0: Well, I like it. what you said is like home is my people. You know, it's not yeah. just the place and where you live. It's like it's your people. Right. So uh, you and I um, were a part of a you're a part of two different generations. So there was a generation when you were younger that was very um I mean, basically I'm a part of this, it's the same thing happens cyclically where Mm -hmm. you have a generation of black people, African-Americans who, you know, are vocal about, you know, the things that are not balanced, you know, in the system Mm -hmm. or when it comes Mm -hmm. to hiring, getting jobs, promotions, working in Mm -hmm. corporate America. Um, You're also a woman, you know, so, Mm -hmm. but... I would say that your generation was what was interesting to me is that when you were in your thirties and forties, it was, you guys weren't as vocal and I'm noticing that I'm doing Mm -hmm. the same thing, you know, like Mm -hmm. I was Mm -hmm. in marches and I did all kinds of crazy stuff when I was younger, but now it's like, um, I'm trying to advance myself and provide the most help possible for my three sons who are going to have a similar experience growing up in America. And I guess my question is like what impact did being a black woman have on your growth specifically as you navigated corporate America you know and you're at tables where yeah. no one looks like you you know like and what did you learn Yeah
1: from Oh you know I think what you're saying is so important it is generational um you know like I said when I started I was a civil rights baby so I was brought up in a time in this country where I watched on television as people were hosed down with hoses and dog- bitten by dogs that were, that were held by the police, right? I mean, it was, it was awful. I mean, it was terrible, yeah. right? And as a little girl, that framed my life. You know, I mean, it really set my life. And when you asked me that question about what inspired me, part of what inspired me in, cor- in the corporate world was the experiences that I had as a kid. And my way of overcoming that wasn't to rally, to be out and, you know, doing that, but because that's what my parents did. But for me, it was succeeding in a world where I where I was the only one of my kind. So when I worked for Unisys Corporation, I remember the days sitting in boardrooms with 30 people around the table. I'm the only woman and the only African American. And so my my way of protesting was to be the best I could be to change people's opinions of African Americans, right? So I had a different way of protesting. So yeah. my protest was I'm sitting at the table with you. You're going to have to acknowledge me at this table. Right. And and right. to and to do it, not in a confrontational way, but to do it in a I'm just as good as just as smart as I can be at this table with you. Right now, that was during my 40s. Same thing. I was raising you and your brother. And so I couldn't go out and do, you know, the marches. And, and, and actually, the whole thing got kind of quiet right after, like the 80s, things started quieting mm-hmm. down through the 80s and 90s. And that's when I still had my own way of protesting, like I said, silently in the boardroom. But what I'm noticing now with this new generation where protests are starting again, right? Yeah. Um, it's been a real learning experience for me. One, you know, I look with empathy with my young brothers and sisters uh, who are African American and what they're what they're experiencing. But then I also relate it back to what I was going through at their age, and I'm like, "Y'all, you don't understand. <laughs> you know, this has been this has been a journey. So I understand your pain. I understand what's going on. Right. But I'm also remembering what I went through, right? And then the other thing is, I'm I'm learning um, today about not just like. Um, overt racism, but what institutionalized racism looks like and and what institutionalized gender bias looks like as a woman in a space where women don't normally succeed and achieve. I'm finding out about microaggressions and what that means and and the way people say things and how you're treated and how you're promoted and what we now call DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, right? What does that really mean? Before it was civil rights, now it's DEI. And I like DEI because it's inclusive of everybody, not just one race of people, but it's saying that we need to have equity across the board. And I don't think I really realize the inequity um, in pay and promotion and all those things um, until recently, you know? And then you kind of go, I get it, you know? But everybody has their own way to fight um, any injustice that you feel. Like in the beginning, I told you, I'm a big proponent of social justice. We each fight injustice in our own way, right? I mean, and one thing I love about the gaming community is that it's so diverse and it's so like just everybody is in it you know what i mean like there there's yeah. very few there's no walls and boundaries right it's like if you're good you're good you know what i'm saying like <laughs> if you can compete you can compete you know yeah, and, right. and 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 so maybe these conversations don't even come up but but i love that about uh, what i see in the younger generation now and in the gaming community it's it's it doesn't matter what color your skin, your hair, your tattoos, your this, your that. Nobody cares. You know, it's like we're just in it because we all love to do this thing together. Right. We love right. this sport. Right. So that's what I like about other sports like football, like things like that. Yeah. People don't care. It's about your talent, your skill. It's not about where you came from, what color you are yeah. or what dem- or what political party you're with let's just play ball, you know, let's just, let's just right. game, you know? So, and I think today everybody has to find their own way of dealing with injustice in their own lives and sure. most important step up and have a voice for those that don't have a voice for themselves. Right. So well,
0: that's important. To, to that, to that point, you know, it's interesting in the gaming space, we're at that place where you would say, you were in your 30s and 40s, where you know gaming is still growing, but it's in its right. 30s and 40s. And so, right now, what's happening is there definitely are some walls, but to they're kind of institutional. So it's not so there yeah. are some barriers that have to be broken in the gaming space, but nobody's really talking about it yet because it's mm. such a space of acceptance on the right. from looking from the outside that if you start saying you don't feel accepted. It's almost like people are kind of like, Hey, you're ruining the fun, you know? So there's conversations that it's the same thing you would experience if at a board meeting, I mean, I was at a, I mean, I I won't, well, I was at a meeting one time of leaders of a specific institution Mm -hmm. and it wasn't in gaming at all, but it was, um, they asked me after listening to their board, they said, Hey, Anthony, you know, you're here, you're a visitor. Um, do you have any feedback or questions for us? And I just was like, well, cause I didn't belong to them. I said, mm-hmm. I noticed there's no diversity at all and no women. Like there's no, nobody, this is a board of white right. men. And I was like, but right. the people that you lead don't all look like this. So how do you, how do you, right. how do you step into the shoes? And it's like, I think sometimes we believe we can provide empathy, but we really can't step into someone's shoes that we drastically misunderstand. And so it causes a lot of assumptions. And then that's when you get people saying, well, you should be happy with what you have. You should be happy with the experiences. And something else you mentioned that's interesting is like, I think sometimes for people like myself, I mean, it's funny because I almost sometimes want to call myself privileged, but not because I had a lot of money growing up or anything. I mean, we moved so many times, I can't keep track. But it's like, I... I had an uncle who was who fought to go to 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 be one of the first to integrate Duke University and then become a lawyer and then become a judge and set such an example for me. Coming to the dinner table every day after you know however mm-hmm. many hours at work wearing a shirt and tie and I was like wow I didn't know black men even did that you know back then mm-hmm. it was like a eye opening thing for me mm-hmm. and then having you in my life you know being my youth pastor and sitting around and talking to me and other kids mm-hmm. about the inner city and how, you know, we can deal with life. And and you inspired us in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt privileged. I felt like, and mm-hmm. so sometimes I find myself in, you know, managing a Starbucks or, you know, it, it, I come back and I say, wow, you know, I'm pretty blessed. But then I have to remember that there are institutional opportunities that are missed for other people. And I think yeah, that's where right. I am in my life right now, where I'm looking around the table, like, oh, okay. So um although it feels fair to me even within the gaming yeah. community there's still a lot of work that needs to be done um yeah i right. see that uh my uh sibling is uh here in the space and you know i know he tries to be so anonymous on social media but <laughs> i don't want to call him out but i do want to ask you know you were a single mom um mm-hmm. for the most part i would say and you you had to raise two sons in southern california i know i mm-hmm. was a bit of a problem When I was younger, um, we don't need to go into those stories. But my question is, like, how did you, as a parent, you know, like, there's plenty Uh of people in the gaming space now that are becoming parents of gamers. And how did you, as a parent, manage the challenges of being a single mom, raising me and my brother, and you helped us, though, grow into, I mean, I would say we're both awesome, you know, young men, but, uh, and I'm saying young, I'm throwing that out there, Um, but I would say, like, you you... You did a good job, but I'm sure there was some doubt along the way for you as we were getting in and out of trouble, and you had to send me to live with my uncle and all this. Like, how did you manage all of that um, and continue to pursue all of these opportunities in your life?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, you know, first of all, I think that um, we have to flip the the paradigm of of single moms, right? Um, and because sometimes we say single mom and we think, oh, it was so hard, it was a struggle. Um, but today, so many single women are doing amazing, incredible things with their life and balancing life and kids and, you know, relationships right. and all of that at the same time. And, it, and it's, it's starting to become a positive, right? Like not a negative thing. <laughs> but I think for me, um, I didn't do it well. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I um, because of the age that I was, I was in my 30s and 40s and I was trying to climb that corporate ladder and I thought, I I don't know, maybe I thought the ladder was going to burn down in the next 10 years or something, you know, but Mm. I didn't want to wait. I was like, man, my opportunity is here. And so I probably put more emphasis on the work piece than I did on the family piece. It's really hard, no matter where you are in your life, to say that this thing about work-life balance there's yeah. always going to be something in your life that is going to be predominant and priority. Right. And and right. you get to choose what that is. That's the, that's work life balance. There is no 50 50, you know, like everybody thinks that work life balance means, you know, every night I'm going to go home. I'm going to shut my computer off and I'm going to go home and now I'm going to get to be the great mom and the great this and the great that like life doesn't work that way. Like the thing that you have to decide is what is the most important thing that you need to do at this time in your life, right? And if it is work, then you need to make, you need to figure out other ways to make the family piece keep moving, right? Maybe you have to hire help. Maybe you have to do what I did, which was call my brother and said, I got two crazy young men that I'm trying to raise and I need help, you know, and I got to work and I've got this opportunity in my career and all this and I need help. And my brother said, let me help you. And and that's where you have to understand that whatever the predominant thing is that you're focusing on, you may need to figure out the rest of it so that you have that balance. But I couldn't do it all. There was no way. With my job, traveling, everything I could do, that I could also be home and cook a meal every night, pack lunch for you guys and, you know, take you to, you know, tennis lessons on Saturday and Sunday. It just wasn't going to happen. (laughs) So I had to find somebody else to do the tennis lessons and do the dinners at night and all of that. Now, some some people choose well i really want to focus on my family right now which i think is an amazing thing to do i mean my daughter in law is doing that right now saying you know what my kids are at an age where i want to be home with them i want to make sure that they know they are a priority yeah. for me right and so she gets to prioritize that but then there's other things that she can do on the other side to go back to school a couple of hours a week you know take on some other jobs do some things that will still keep her in that, in that career space, right? So it's never about it's going to always be perfect. You know, somebody somewhere told women that we could be all things to all people all at the same time on the same day. And let me hmm. just tell you, it's impossible. And so you have to choose at a certain time in your life what is the thing that is presented to me right now that I need to go after? And then how do I call on help to manage the rest? Because you can't do it all. And somebody told us there was some song somewhere, you know, I am woman, hear me roar. One of these songs that came out, you know, that said, you know, women can be everything and do everything at the same time on the same day. We were never meant to do that. What that means is whatever you decide is a priority. Yes, you can excel at that and you can be excellent. But don't yeah. think you can be excellent at eight different things at the same time because you can't. So I I, I was a single mom that made a choice and said, right now what's really important is that I can earn enough money to put my kids through school. I mean, one of one of the proudest moments for me was that, my youngest son, I was able to literally pay for that boy to go to college without having to take out loans, no, right? And without
0: yeah. without
1: having to do. But that was important to me. But how was I going to do that? The only way I could do that was to work the way I worked. But I also yeah. knew that there needed to be a family structure, and so I called on my brother and said, "I need, I need family for these kids. I need the boys to have." three hots every day. And, you know, somebody who's hanging out with them and playing golf with them. And, and he took that on. Um, and that's how I was able to do it.
0: That's amazing. Um, I really appreciate, you know, the perspective that you shared there, you know, you going through that experience. I mean, I do hope, I know I've said this before, I hope that you write a book one day. Um, (laughs) you know, we, I, I only lived through, I mean, I've lived through all of my life with you 42 years, but you know, um, living with you for 20 of that, it was like getting to see the, like the elevation of our lives as your life elevated, you know, and Mm -hmm. it, it really did open up my mind to like, wait, my mom is raising two of us and still able to continue to pursue a life um, that's going to help take care of us, you know, to proceed, to mm-hmm. continue to pursue careers. And then you shifted really well into pursuing careers that will take care of this planet and yourself. And mm-hmm. so, mm-hmm. um, I, you know, we're almost out of time, but you know, I want to, I'm, I'm kind of curious. And do you have any specific goals that you are, focused on now you know now that you have you know six grandkids Mm -hmm. and you know like Mm -hmm. do Mm -hmm. you have any goals um that you're focused on Mm -hmm. now um as you focus on legacy and impact you know like do you have some Mm -hmm. goals that you know keep you running every day
1: yeah. Well, and, and before we end, I don't get to tell even one bad story about you. Okay, I sure. To, uh, you no, no, say, no, yeah. no. i not going to. But I just want everybody to know there are stories. And if you want to reach out to me on Twitter, I would be more than oh happy to God. share with you about <laughs> about Anthony's real life. But no, you no. Know, uh, happy birthday, son, because you thank are you, an amazing, amazing young man. And I am so very proud of who you've become and all that you've gone through. And um and just the man that you have become and are becoming every single day. So I just want to, I want to say that to you um, and happy I birthday. happy happy birthday.
0: I love you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank
1: you. I, I think that just, just to wrap it up, you know, what's next for me? Um, I have stepped into this um, arena of sustainable impact on the world, right. And looking at sustainability and looking at it from several different aspects, right. And looking at it from a, Environmental aspect: What does it mean for sustainability of our environment, creation, those kinds of things? What does it mean for people who are living under in a, a place of injustice? Right? How do we how do we bring sustainability to that? I'm looking at economic sustainability, and and most importantly, how does faith and theology play into all of that? So I'm yeah. actually um, focused right now on what we call circular economy and sustainability and realizing Mm -hmm. that everything that we do um, is pretty much a circle, right? Whether we're looking at the economy, politics, the environment, um, and honestly, COVID was what woke me up to that, right? And and so now that's what I'm studying and that's what I'm focused on is, and it's kind of taking the best of everything I've done in my life and figuring out and realizing that it it's all interconnected, right? It's all interconnected, and how do all of these things play together? Um, yeah. And that's that's what I'm like I would say technically focused on, and that's what I hope my my career, my I, I want to teach going forward. Um, that's what my teaching is going to be on, and 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 adding faith and theology into that, and looking at issues of social injustice and how economic and um, economic sustainability and environmental sustainability are circular and how it impacts all of that. So that's my, my professional life, right? Um, the rest of me is about family. Um, I have six beautiful grandchildren, um, actually eight two step grandchildren, um, that I want to pour into their lives, um, over the next 10 to 15 to 20 years. I really want to pour into them because, I think there's a big gap in generations between, um, and we and we've lost something there, right? In that we go from generation and we kind of skip, and then you know we're de- I'm depending on my sons to teach my grandchildren, and really I should be teaching them as well. And so I want to pour into them, um, and then ministry is just a big part of my life, and uh, working with women um, who are struggling with issues in the world. Um, whether it be work home life relationship um, i just right now have a strong pull to working uh, in women's ministry and working with women so um, and then working in my yard every day mowing my lawn and planting and uh, doing all that great stuff um, is kind of my side my side hustle so, side hustle. so yeah yes it, my it, side it, hustle well,
0: i was gonna say it's it, it is your side hustle and I honestly, like, it is amazing to me because I remember being my kid's age. And now when I say we're going to grandma's, they're like, oh, man. And I'm like, what? They're like, we love going to grandma's, but we know we're going to have to do work. (laughs) That's right. And I remember that was Uncle Frank and Aunt Jackie's house for me. Like, it was, if I was going to my uncle's house, I knew I was pulling weeds. I was going to cut grass. I And Aunt Jackie was yeah, going to come up better with some, believe it. you know, like you need to <laughs> dig up this entire trench of bushes and plant them somewhere else. Like, But right. I learned so much, right. like rebuilding, right. how I learned how to do drywall and like I learned so much. And now I kind of am eager. And I remember on Father's Day when I was at your house and you were like, Anthony, you don't need to do anything. This is your day. But now right. it's just, I don't feel right if I go to your, you know, giant property and don't help with something. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, I honestly um, am grateful for the work that I did do as a kid. And because mm-hmm. those, those turned into lessons for me. Um, I, of course, am abundantly grateful for who you are in my life. I mean, I know everybody says, like, my mom is the best and she's amazing. And my mom really is the best. And so, you know, like, I, 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 um, I also know, and this is going to be funny to you. I hope that the people listening in are not going to wonder anymore why I'm like, I can talk (laughs) because (laughs) you are like me when it's like, if you, if you get asked a question, it sounds like you prepared an answer, even though you didn't know any of the questions I was going to ask you today. And that's, that's what you, that's another thing that I've caught from you is that like you prepare yourself to talk all the time and when necessary, you're, you're ready, you know? And so, right. Um, and I also have the same faith you do. So I trust that I'm going to be able to, you know, that I'll have what I need when I need it. Um, right. Um, I uh, appreciate you spending the time that you have. Uh, Thank you. I love you. And I'm grateful for you, um, you know, giving birth to me 42 years ago today. Um, and uh, I, none of what I have in my life, none of who I am, would be possible if you didn't love me unconditionally, like your grandmother who also loved me unconditionally by giving you her pound cake recipe. But, (laughs) you know, like if, if you didn't love me unconditionally, I wouldn't know how to love others unconditionally. And it's been something that's really important to me. So, and it's defined my life is like, I, I really look for the grass, the green grass on the other side of people's issues, problems, challenges, you know, inconsistencies, anger, whatever it is, I really look for the good. And then I try to draw on that and recognize and call that out. And so I appreciate you for everything you've taught me. Thank you for everybody who uh, stopped in today. Uh, If you missed any of this space, it'll be on under AMG spaces on Spotify. Um, And I will be back again next week, same time, 2.30. Again, I never share my guests until the day of. So you got to follow AMG. And stay tuned to our Twitter, and you'll know who I'll be uh, interviewing next week. Thank you, guys, and thank you, mom. And have a thank
1: you. Take care. Bye. Bye.